Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very evil episode of Bloody Good Horror after months of planning, sort of. I mean, weeks of planning. We planned this for weeks. Hours. We're here to bring you uh, quite the milestone in Bloody Good Horror history. It's not many podcasts that make it to episode 666, and yet here we are. It's the devil's number, Schnars. It's very spooky. Evil. Yes. Joining me tonight. Oh, I didn't even say what we're doing. We are. We didn't. We. This was a secret movie pick. We are reviewing the Devils. Yeah, from nine. What year did this come out? Ken Russell's The Devils. What year did this come out? 1971. 71. Very excited to talk about this movie. Joining me tonight, first up, from Manhattan, New York City. He may have cut his hair, but I still love him. Please welcome John Schnarch to the show. Still 100% devil. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, from Richmond, Virginia, please welcome Caitlin. Hello. From Indiana, Mr. Casey. Hello. And last up tonight, our very special guest. We had him on tonight because he knows about weird movies, and this is a weird movie. Uh, please devil, welcome. Devil expert. <laughs> please welcome a uh, longtime, longtime BGH listener, uh, host of the Films at First Sight podcast, among other things. Please welcome Joe Ferry to the show. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? I just, I didn't hey, ask. Joe. I just realized I didn't ask if last names are okay, so we can go back and slide whistle if you need me to. No, we're all good. I, I just got a message. I was, I got fired. So. <laughs> you didn't even say anything yet. Sorry, and kids. You're fired. You were on a podcast. Hey, on, the, on the last episode of Films at First Sight, I literally recited Joe's home address, so I'm gonna have to edit that out. That Very is a true nice. story. Very nice. <laughs> Straight doxed. Uh, yeah, we're here tonight to talk about the devils. Um. This is a pretty controversial movie that um, we're going to learn about here pretty shortly. So let's take a quick break and do just that. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Not the prime time. Main feature. Welcome to primetime, Schnars. Yeah. <laughs> thanks John I'm actually going to have um, Joe here tell us about Ken Russell why don't we do that before we do word of the day because I don't I don't yet have a transition for word of the day so Joe uh, Joe what do you tell who's Ken Russell we do this in real time in case anyone was who's the, 666 episodes in y'all <laughs> who's the crazy person that made this movie Joe so Ken Russell is an English director uh, probably just would be described as like a infant terrible of the British film community. Mm. Got his start very early on in the sixties uh, and almost immediately became notorious for this movie. He went on to make a plethora of other, I, he loves being controversial. It's one of his things, but he he made Tommy, if you're a Who mm. fan. Oh, uh, yeah. Solid. Liz to Mania, Altered States. Uh, he always kind of delves in between the hypersexual and or the 
psychedelic or hyper violent. Uh, if anybody's a fan of Doctor Who and British love, like rom coms, I highly recommend The Layer of the White Worm because you get a nice dose of Peter Capaldi and Hugh Grant hunting mm. a uh, vampire esque serpent who loves to spit acid on the groin of crucifixes i've never seen that but i did there's a little section on it in that uh 80s documentary on shutter that it made it look pretty intriguing it's fucking awesome and it's just a cool title (laughs) yes i've heard that it's the most boring adaptation but that's 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 just you know to keep things spicy around here is that your cool film school friends caitlin I don't have any friends. They're all on this call. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for that. Joe, John Schnars. Yes. Do you feel threatened having Joe here tonight? I do you know how excited I was that I was like, God, somebody else is going to have to like come up with the details to this movie. Cause look, I, I mean, we can, we'll get into it, but like I had not, I mean, I had heard of this movie mainly through you all. Um, but it was not so it was definitely a, a hole in my I have been talking about it knowledge. since like January of last year when I watched it on Shutter. Yeah. I and I mean I've seen Tommy. I know I like know the name Ken Russell, but I was not like I had not done any studying. So as soon as you all were like, I don't know, Joe knows a lot about this movie. I was <laughs> great. <laughs> Does he have a word? And it turns out he did. Wait, Joe's doing the word? Well, he supplied the word. Oh, there you go. I Love was still going to do it. I full credit though. You know, <laughs> of course you're, no, me you're right nothing. There. If not full of integrity, John, please bring us the word of the day. Eric, today's word courtesy of our dear friend, Joe appetency, appetency, a P P E T N C Y. This is a new word for me. I've never seen this before, but I, I love it. Um, it, it is, it's a noun. It means a longing or desire. It can also be a natural tendency or affinity. Uh, it comes to us from the Latin, as you would probably have guessed, apatere, apatere, mm. meaning to seek or seek after. I assume it's, I mean, it, it, I would be shocked if it's not the same root as appetite. Um, but uh, yeah, appetency, appetency. So Joe, congrats. Great word. Love it. Thank you. Did you know that word? Did you like pull it out of your, you know? No, you were emailing us like right before the show and I'm sitting there looking up like horny synonyms. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. It's what I would have done had I had to come up with my own word. So hmm. great work. Now you know. I, I now you know how the sausage gets made. <laughs> I knew you were uh, gatekeeping on the uh, help of for getting the word of the day, Schnars. But I think my word, Ursuline, was also okay. Ursuline, solid. It's a proper noun. Is the problem? I try oh, to avoid yeah. the proper nouns. So yes, John has or standards. It's technically, it's an adjective, but it is definitely a John. Capital. Could you tell but me? But the sisters were the uh, Ursuline order. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You have to totally. Hey, John. One more time for the uh, spreadsheet. Say it again. Appetency. I got you. It's like appetite, but it ends in N-C-Y. E-N-C-Y. John, tell me about the devils, please. So the devils. uh, Yeah. I mean, again, this is a movie I, I, I'm just thrilled to have watched. And that's not um, an exaggeration. I, I, 
cannot wait to talk about this. Um, this it the movie opens with a title card that says effectively something to the effect of like um, everything that happens here is is based on fact. There, you know, these these events actually happened. Um, obviously, they were dramati- dramatizing some things, but the the basic outline is you have oh god damn it, and I should I'm gonna have to pull up uh, the character names just so I get them right. But you have Oliver Reed. He's playing Urbane Grandier, who is a local uh, bishop or religious priest? official priest. He's the he's the local local religious official for the town or city of Loudon in southern France. Ooh, I like the way you say that. Loudon. The year is. is I, I don't. Do they give the exact year? I, they said it's like 16th century, I believe. I think it's 1643 or 34. They say it near the end. Okay, 17th century. Um, Basically, and, it's not uh, going great in Europe at the time that this was. Grandier is the, um, he's this local religious official, but what has happened is like the governor or the person who had run the city has passed away and effectively like made him the boss you know, right. while while they until a new election can occur. And as near as I could tell, he is Catholic, right? Not Protestant. Yeah, but no, he, no, they're all Catholic. But he, there it's are France. people in the city who are Protestant. So that's what that's what's in the soup of this political time well, is this like fight between Catholics and these like Protestants. Yeah, I mean, but it's I mean, it's fr- like it's a Catholic country. Like, so yes, there's some of that, but by and large, like that's well, happening. The, you all. That conflict is used for for the power grab, like later in the movie. <laughs> and you have there's some of that. Yeah, you have the um. There's there is a version of the plague. It's not the like main plague, but they're definitely experiencing an outbreak of plague. Um. So there's that going on. Um. And Grandier is also so he's very liberally minded. So he believes in the town being um sort of like having its own autonomy. Um, he's not presented in, um, as as like power hungry in and of himself. He is, I would say he's presented as like a natural leader and an effective leader of the city. Um, but he's also, when I say he's liberally minded, he's also liberal, liber, liberally minded as a priest. He, he, he He's a endorses, lover. Well, he's definitely a lover, but like... And and he's a philanderer. I mean, he he's mm. like kind of going about town with a lot of different <laughs> he's ladies. Going at least he's, when we, he's, he's a stud, if you were. Yeah. Stud he's definitely. I he's mean, stepping out. He's got a lot going on. Oliver Reed uh, Grandier. I cannot um, wait to talk no, about this where, like I mean, opening where scene. Where I was going is like later in the film, he becomes he he actually gets married. And this whole question of like should priests be allowed to marry is like an age old question in the Catholic Church. And like the fact that they put that in there has like puts him in a very specific place. But um, so even while he is philandering and like going about that, he's still a he's still coded as like pretty virtuous um, for the most part. I don't know. We can we can get into it. But that's one of the most interesting aspects of the movie (laughs) is the way the ways you can kind of read everyone's situation. Yeah. Well, so, Yeah. yeah, I mean, and just to get into the action, like he so. He impregnates the daughter of a like fairly prominent, famous business person who's also the uncle of another priest in town. And so this then like sets off this chain of events where the other priest reports him to the Catholic Church, who then comes to investigate. But the father 
just wants to like punish him and so enlists like other local officials. There's this whole question around the, the town of Loudon having its own uh, city walls and like right. So basically protecting itself full, full versus being integrated into the country of France. Right. In full disclosure, I would not have understood a fucking thing about the politics in this movie had I not read the Wikipedia page more than once. But basically the the cardinal who we see a couple times Richelieu, he's yeah. in the red and he's 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 in that amazing Hannibal Lecter thing that we should talk about. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, this was a known thing in history where like this was a massive power play by him yeah. where he was basically manipulating the king. Well, and he is able to then like you're saying sort of tap into this like these political battles happening within the city to kind of like break it from within based. And that's the yeah. larger like machination that's happening in the So movie. Richelieu, just to talk, I mean, I mean, maybe Joe knows more about this than I do. Cause like, I, I mean, I've never read the books, but I believe Richelieu is the, um, he's a fairly prominent character in the three musketeers as well. It like takes place oh, interesting. in a s similar, uh, timeline, so to speak. Isn't father Richelieu like one or, you know, Cardinal Richelieu, like one of the main baddies in that. No, I, in any I have not read that book in years. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's mostly me, from like, the movie version. <laughs> but we didn't do, we didn't totally. go deep on Richelieu. But yeah, it was interesting that he was like the main bad. Um, yeah, I mean, and so the, what's crazy is like the the plot of this movie is a little insane. Where it actually There's like a lot where in the soup. Well, Grandier's downfall comes from the fact that there is a local Ursuline nunnery order of nuns uh where vanessa redgrave playing sister jean is the mother Please, superior Charles. sister jean jean <laughs> jean um uh, she she is she, uh she's a hunchback uh which i did not know going into this movie but interesting choice um they sister jean uh is sexually obsessed with she wants father to get her, she wants to get her a piece of grandier who she's never met she's never met him in person she's just literally like it seems like every like, woman in town though wants to bone this guy so totally i mean you get it you've seen him he is he, smoldering you know. also yeah. at the, given the time his you know his place of power certainly gave him yeah. something i mean his mustache primarily i would say but um how do you know she didn't meet him? She said she did. <laughs> well, yeah, she met him. She in sees. Like, I mean, they know, see him though the walking. Old, they uh, see other plane. I think the nuns <laughs> all see him walking through the city because they're all getting real, real horned up. For they, but so what happens is the the like wedge becomes. Uh, they use Sister Jean and these nuns uh, as a. I don't know, as like a to basically tool against right, Urban Grandia. To claim that he was in legion with like demons and that they had possessed the nuns through him and his like yes. sorcery or whatever. Yes. That was a pretty good synopsis, John. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. This is all true. I can't way. even shape I mean, largely that. true. No, it is very yeah. much it's a book called The Devils by Aldous Huxley. Um, that very much little known us. author, little known author is kind of underground. You might not know him, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> um, all right, let's jump in here. Joe, as our guest, why don't you tell us about the devils and you've known about this movie certainly much longer than I have. Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately like dwell in this 
like pit of weird shit. And so this movie kind of unfortunately or us. fortunately, I don't know, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We're we're being recorded here. I have to yeah, be. <laughs> sure. no, posterity for future employers. Now that you've been fired, exactly. Um, you heard you heard about this just kind of through just people talking about it, and then he eventually hunted down. It was one of those fabled movies for a while because it was so inaccessible, and then it kind of popped up out of nowhere and. You you could see the the base format of it. I fucking love this movie. It is a through and through masterpiece that manages to not only take what is essentially a period piece and turn it into the nastiest goddamn thing I have ever seen, while <laughs> keeping me awake because I fall asleep during every <laughs> period piece. I mean, I fall asleep during like every movie. I mean, like. Yeah. I watched this thing almost all the way, almost all the way through. I had something to do, but like that's impressive. I never do. Yeah, it's rare. Uh, yeah, but you get like the the set design, the script, the performances, everything about this fucking movie is so on point. And I, I just have never seen anything like it, and it always feels so prescient. I mean, obviously, I didn't watch it back in the 70s, but it clearly caused a big enough issue that they shelved like it. They shelved parts of it. Um, It was one of three movies like Warner Brothers putting out three X rated movies in a singular year between (laughs) performance. This and Clockwork Orange really need to get back to their game. Was this really the same year as Clockwork Orange? Mm -hmm. Wow. It really makes you realize how, given the current cultural stew now, we're really getting robbed of like just demented filmmaking, like for just more Marvel bullshit and like fucking Firestarter yeah. starring Zach Efron <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> Guys, there's a new Cronenberg movie we could be out watching. That's right true. Now. That's just, very true. That's on the docket. It's on the docket. Uh, we're watching saying. my stop motion thing next, John. Caitlin, uh, okay. what do you think? I love this movie. Um, I learned about this movie from Joe. I didn't know about it before. And Joe and I have had many a conversation about uh, cool movies that I haven't seen. And he knew a lot about it and uh, was able to help me access it. (laughs) Um, And actually, the first version I saw of this did not include some of the more salacious scenes that we'll get into. Uh, The version that we watched together as the bloody good horror group did um so this was my first time seeing the complete unedited version um and i i love a band movie i i I love the whole sort of like i don't know sensationalism around that i love that this mixes the sacred and the profane and it does it really well it's it's rare with all all the stuff that was on like the video nasties that was banned that's just kind of like whatever it's rare to nowadays see a movie that at some point was banned and just be like, Oh no, I get it. Yeah. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you tried to put this out, if you tried to, I mean, especially now, if you tried to put this out, like your ass would be on Tucker Carlson every night for a month. Like, (laughs) and and I love that about this. I I love the premise that there is a priest so hot that an entire nunnery gets so horned up that they need to be exercised. Blooded. 
that's an incredible premise in and of itself. And the fact that it's real, like I, I am a big fan of the story of the devils of Ludon. I've, uh, there's the Aldous Huxley book, and then I really like the last podcast series on The Devils of Ludon. It's really good. And the movie is pretty true to life, um, which is, I mean, it's just really badass. I really like Oliver Reed. I really like Vanessa Redgrave. My understanding is that Oliver Reed was pretty drunk for a lot of this, which, like, totally attracts. He's always drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just Oliver Reed. <laughs> I, in general, listen, Firestarter would have been better if Zac Efron was drunk the whole time. Okay. <laughs> um and uh i mean we'll get into scenes and and that but i i just one of my favorite lines is the one of the sisters one of the nuns is looking out onto the street and sees grandier in the street and she says now there's a man worth going to hell for and i have a grandmother who like that is exactly something that she would say (laughs) Um, so i love that love it maybe i'll show her the devils (laughs) nice report back casey All right, so I'd never actually seen this movie before, but I'm real familiar with Oliver Reed through his hammer. uh, Au revoir. Uh, He was pretty heavy involved with uh, hammer films early on, like Paranoiac and uh, Curse of the Werewolf. So I was already a big fan. And getting into this, uh, to set it up, I started watching this on Monday night. It was like 11 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm going to watch half. And watch the next day. But to give you the power of this movie, I got to midnight on a Monday night watching this movie. I'm like, I can't stop now. I got to keep going. It just sucks you in that hard. The story's good. The acting's great. The set pieces are great. Uh, it looks alien, kind of, with the way that these churches and uh, nunneries are set up and whatnot. It's just a fantastic movie. And watching the story involved and what happens to uh, Garnier, Grandier, Grandier? Grandier. Yeah, Grandier. Grand Marnier. (laughs) Watching the machinations of what happens to him throughout the course of this movie is just kind of mind blowing. And it really gives you the feels. And if you walk away not feeling sorry for Oliver Reed in this movie, I don't know how i can relate <laughs> right uh, we'll get there he's but it's it's an interesting even the characters though like grandier is definitely got problems he is a very faulty character but they still make you feel for him at some point they, I, by the end some, by some the aspects. by the end yes i i will, I will yeah. give you that yeah for sure it's just fascinating to watch it all unfold and it tells such a complete and robust story. And then after I went, got done watching this and went down the rabbit hole on Wikipedia, reading about the history of Ludon and everything that happened, the witches Ludon and how accurate this movie was. It's just really impressive. Uh, Schnorris. I was, man, I had a question I was going to ask you that I forgot. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I similar, I feel really similarly. I, um, I mean, so one of the only things I knew about this movie is that it it was a quote unquote band movie. And so when you hear that, at least for me, I'm kind of like, ah, like there's, it's going to be, I don't know, something grotesque or it's going to be, you know, like you expect it to go places that are like, I don't know, too transgressive or like, I, I guess I don't know what my expectations were. I probably should have, if I put it in the frame of like Clockwork Orange, which is a film that I love, 
like I might have come into this with a bit of a different perspective, which whatever, it's not neither here nor there. I was shocked how good this movie was. Like it's it's just really, really, really well made. Um, y'all hit on a bunch of it, right? Like the set design itself is just phenomenal. Um I I like didn't have a chance to read about the production as much as I would have liked because I, I'm very curious. Like, I think it must have been soundstage or like largely on it some said kinds of shot in something studios at the end, some kind of famous British studio situation. Is Back it? Okay. lot of Pinewood Studios, almost the entire movie. Yeah. I, it's a really I mean, impressive it, like set of a city, basically that they built. Well, and they do a great job of, you know, I've been to like some of the like I, you know I did a trip. It's been a long time. I don't want to make it seem like I've been going all the time, like. Eight years ago, I was in the south of France, and we went to like Avignon, and we went to Arles, and like all these places, and they look like that. Like, I mean, obviously, this is three hundred, four hundred years ago, but like, it it was. I don't know. It's like what you can imagine they would have looked like when they were new, or when they were fresh, when the walls were just recently built. So, I, I mean, it's kind of incredible. We hit on. I mean, Oliver Reed is just just a delight. I, I I've forgotten. I was like looking over his his uh, his credits. He's like the main dude in the brood. It's like that's yeah. like a top yeah. five for me. I mean, like fucking love Oliver. Like can't can't say enough good things. The guy who I was not familiar with, who I thought is incredible in this, is Father Barre or Barry or Barre. And like I was looking through his credits. Is he the witch hunter? I'm like, he's yeah. He's exactly. my favorite. He's yeah. he's the blonde one. Crazy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's the stars awesome. of the priests. Yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I need glasses, obviously, but oh, if, if I was wearing Joe's nice. glasses, we would... could do a great cosplay. Joe, John, you have to do that one. I, I need, like I need, I need to know if those were period accurate glasses because they felt so seventies, and it was like taking yeah. me out of it. Oh, they were very much linen glasses, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those it are, adds like, to the. He didn't send him a costume. It honestly like, adds yeah. to it adds to the weirdness <laughs> because. Not just the glasses, but that guy's just presence feels so out of time in that movie, but he's so electric. It's like, it's so much fun. I just, I loved his uh, obvious work gloves with like crosses (laughs) ironed on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just, part of it was, I just didn't know what I was walking into. And I think I might've even watched that trailer, which obviously like seventies trailers, like they're fucking worthless. John, it makes um, me, it makes me happy when we can surprise you with something uh, and bring you genuine movie joy. Well, this is, you know, I got to tee up the baby next, I guess, because you fucking bet your ass you do. <laughs> the baby is the fucking best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I I mean, look, there's a lot of other things. We'll hit on. I, the thing, I guess, if I was going to put forward one question um, is like, so we watched the un, unedited or director's cut of this version. Like, there's a cut of this movie that there's the only reason it was banned is for like religious, like nonsense like it was not it's not so crazy it's i mean it 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 uh, it, like presents catholicism in in an interesting light and it it sort of profanes against catholic idols uh but i mean in the version we watched to an extreme extent i would say but otherwise like this movie i don't know like it felt modern in that like it could get me like it could get me like there's like something like this that could get done. It's that like Catholicism doesn't have the weight today that this, mm, that it well, did back then. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, like who would bother to make it? Like, I guess the comp for Call me for is something, 
Well, <laughs> I and I haven't seen Benedetta or whatever. It, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would really like to because uh, someone I was talking to someone at work about this movie and they referenced that. Um, the the other movie this like made me think of was Climax. Just I mean for obvious reasons. So, but like that's a movie that, if anything, I think doesn't get talked about enough. You know <laughs> where I'm like uh, Climax. So, I love Climax. Yeah. No, I mean we talk about it, yeah. but like in it's the, good stuff general culture <laughs> yeah i am um, i'm very much on board with everybody here i i had never heard of this you know me john i'm i'm a cinematic rube i'm a, it's okay to admit <laughs> it never heard of it you know you've seen every cut of every friday the 13th movie yeah. though <laughs> i have my i have my lanes this is not one of them that's why joe's here tonight okay yeah. um but i saw like last year i was just hanging out i was like winter and I saw a Shutter tweet like the Devils is leaving Shutter this Friday. Check it out. And like something about their tweet, they said something like kind of ominous. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Ch- clicked on it, watched it, blew my mind, just blew my head right off my shoulders. Like I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of this film. Like Casey, the first time I saw it, riveted the whole way through. Like could not look away. It is a gorgeously shot film. I think it perfectly captures the kind of hysteria of like breakdown moments in human history where things go bad. Right. And especially in this period of time where it's a really claustrophobic film. So you have people packed in a city, there's a plague going on. There's now a threat from the outside and you see that slowly break down until it just crescendos with this like, none exorcism slash orgy like that goes on for 20, 30 minutes or something. (laughs) And the way in which the film captures that kind of chaos, like the fabric of society melting down is to say it's unsettling, I think is an understatement. Uh, Like I said, it, it is also just very beautifully shot. And like everyone has said, it features this very specific kind of acting that you just don't really get nowadays. This kind of 70s mix of just truly tr- true Hollywood degenerates who are probably drunk most of the time, but also like probably I would guess Wait, who are the drunk people that you're referencing? I think they're I mean, all Oliver drunk. Reed. I think Oliver they're all Reed. drunk and on drugs. Ken Russell, I don't know. That he's and like I would a, argue that Ken Russell is drunk by noon almost oh. every uh, <laughs> day. Like, and I would bet yeah, I, I would, trust Joe on this. Not, I would also Eric, bet that most of these act, most of these actors give off a vibe that they are like classically stage trained, which lends itself like perfectly to this kind of movie. And so you've got this combination of this like high, highbrow acting training with like just true Hollywood or whatever the British equivalent is like, it's like, it makes me think of like Quentin Jaws, right? Like if that guy's not shit faced every day, <laughs> Does he turn in one of the most legendary performances of all time? And I, like, I'm a, I'm for artists destroying themselves if it means the art is better. John is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, but argue. it just, may, it just brings this like Looney Tunes vibe to this movie is the only way I can put it. <laughs> and by the time like uh, the Witchfinder General comes in, that dude is like, he is the old, everyone else is at least pretending like they're in a period piece. He is acting like he's in Clockwork Orange or something, like straight into a 70s movie. <laughs> or Tommy. Shot out of a fucking cannon. Yeah, like he's like, he's in a 70s, like Jesus Christ superstar. That's the exact vibe this guy's giving. It's just so much fun. A fascinating thing about it is that 
man, the first time I saw it, watching it with my modern movie eyes, I did not know what to make of it. Because when we, I did not know who the protagonist was until I literally paused the movie and went and read Wikipedia. Because the movie starts with uh, Grandier, right? He has been uh, making sweet love to, we'll call it love. He's a, he's a romantic. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. To this like rel- this girl who in this like maniacal face paint, which just made me want to vomit, but that must be some cultural thing, I'm sure. So like, uh, but what we see is they're in bed and she tells him he's pregnant and he immediately, it's like the funniest scene in the movie. He sits up and he has like an entire poem already written about how it was real while it lasted. Better kick rocks, kid. Like later, <laughs> and she's like, "Fucking what?" It's, but it immediately it, in with modern movie eyes to me codes him as a bad character. Like you've got a priest here abusing his power, and like there's no sympathy whatsoever for this woman coming from him. Like he's literally just like, "Peace out, bitch," and like, so then these other like people come into town. And I'm like, okay, are they like good guys? Because this guy's like a tyrant, right? But then, I mean, like I said, I, I had no effing idea until I read the Wikipedia. And I wonder if anybody else had like a similar experience the first time. I, in fact, watching it the second time, I again paused it like 15 minutes in and went and read the Wikipedia. It's also just, but it's a thing I kind of like about the movie. I mean, moviegoers are going to constantly have their lens changed just by whatever society is at the time right and film criticism i'm not saying that as a criticism of the movie i just it was an interesting thing for me but kind of what i like about it is that it's also this really dense historical moment that he gives no attempt to really flush out for you like it is a film sort of presented as is it's either presented as like you do know about this or they don't care he doesn't care and he's just dropping you in the middle of it and what i kind of liked about that is like I'm also an atheist. So like blasphemy means nothing to me. I I feel Casey, you mentioned the word alien, which is really interesting to me. There is like actually an alien feel to the architecture, especially in the religious institutions, which is just a really visually interesting thing. But I almost in my own way felt like an an alien, like impartial observer being lowered down into a moment in human history where society is crumbling and just like popping my popcorn. Like that's kind of how I felt. I really was not invested in anyone, but because it's so batshit crazy, it feels like being a voyeur in a moment of like just awful history in a, well, in a sort a of really removed way. Part of what happened. I mean, like there are spectators throughout almost every scene of this movie and that's kind of where you end up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I will, I do agree. Like, you know, the movie, and I guess in true life, like he he repents in some way and he tries to sort of change his ways. It's it's funny, kind of. And I think it's just because like how to me, it doesn't feel very genuine. And I think it has a lot to do with the actor's performance because he just goes so hard with his like philander in ways and not giving a shit that it seems like he only really gives a shit when he kind of starts losing power because of what's happening. Um but I do think I didn't I didn't fully understand that at first. Like when you see though, but when you listen, when you see the totality of the conspiracy against him, of course you're yeah. like, well, that's kind of fucked up. Like because well, these people don't because these people are charlatans too in their own way. Like they're fully just leveraging this religious hysteria to 
take power. So I, he, so I'll finish. But but I was just gonna say he, I, this is what's interesting to me about this movie is the many different ways you can kind of approach like what they're presenting to you. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't repent for the previous behavior, but he does. He tries to be change. better. In the well, future. he basically like falls in love. I mean, the way I don't, like the way I read it's it just like, like happens in a scene. I think is the issue. <laughs> like, yeah, well, we see we see more of his like post you're pregnant later poem than we do him like falling in love with that and, woman. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because he like get it, the marriage happens pretty quickly. And so it's like, it didn't feel like I was also similar. Like, wait, what is going on right now? Like, why is he marrying this woman? But then he, he, he is genuinely converted to this idea of like, yeah, like reaching God through the love of a woman. I mean, that's at least how he presents it later, but it seems honest. At least it's presented that way through this, like one scene where he goes on like a very, short pilgrimage into the like for sure <laughs> the, but like, like well, and it's like but. it's always that struggle of like having to pull back your own modern lens or value or values well, or whatever yeah but that's what's great about the character though because he admits i'm a shitty priest i love women and i'm gonna keep loving women but i didn't do this shit well the actor is also just like insanely charismatic <laughs> which like yeah, works in his favor <laughs> well and also the timing of this is pretty uh fuzzy i mean like we see a decent amount of time pass and it looks really fast like the wedding and falling in love happens really fast but by the end we see the baby the you know that yes. it's like a whole like 12 month old baby at the end yeah, yeah. that's watching yeah. the execution so like you know, like, time is passing. I straight this, up thought that dude was going to throw that true. baby in that fire. Like It looked a little bit like He seems answer. a little unhinged. <laughs> and what a quote, like, lucky little bastard. It's not every day babies <laughs> see their daddies burned to death. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah, no shit. I feel like George, I feel like George Martin may have been inspired by the scene when he wrote uh, the ending of the first Game of Thrones book. <laughs> Even just the political uh, intrigue that is similar. Like, this is a multi-layered like was it like cake boss or whatever like those like this is multi-fucking-layered on having an insanely complex main character that yes you're not supposed to know who you're rooting for at first yeah and then the political intrigue the religious intrigue and then expanding that out to essentially look at the fall of an independent city-state in france yeah mm-hmm yeah, the and, end is pretty, I mean, it is rubble. <laughs> another character, uh, an actor that I think steals every scene he's in is the king. I don't I don't know who oh, this dude big is. Time. But just yeah. a, another the most like live yes. um bye bye well, Blackbird. Another truly yeah, unhinged performance that's really it, it was the thirteenth, right? Yeah. And yeah. again, another yeah. performance that feels right out of like a clockwork orange or something. But Eric, you had said like the film opens with whatever with Grandier. There's actually this scene, the first scene of the movie is Richelieu and the king. Right. Well, no, it's the king performing, right? Mm-hmm. To Richelieu. Yes. The king in drag? Birth of Venus? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, time, he is in drag, because you're right, it's Venus, you're right. Yeah, it's Birth of Venus, but at the time, uh, you know, women weren't usually on stage, so it w- would make sense yeah. that, but also, like, the, the whole, like, ego of it all, I feel like it's a perfect way to start and really sets us up to, you know, like, there is a little bit of, ambiguity of like do i root for grandier do i root for someone else but like it, it, no, from the this, get for me i was like nah 
Fuck yeah. that guy. Like yeah, that yeah. is not what we're rooting for. But like, we are you're, but you're also dude who's like rooting around. Well, well but, the, but the weirdly and, too, right? Like the king is almost a neutralish fate. Like you're almost rooting. You are rooting for the king to intervene on behalf of Grandier. Well, basically. because but because Richelieu is coded as like just pure. Like I didn't okay. grasping. Maybe you guys can explain this to me, right? So there's the scene. We get, there's the orgy scene, which ha- which contains this excised footage where the nuns actually take the Jesus statue off the wall and do <laughs> Chris, the call the crucifix. <laughs> Whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm, I grew up Catholic. I don't care. Um, I had enough of that. So, but like they, they, they do things to it. Right. And like, it's you interesting. They masturbate on it's it. It's interesting fine. in this cut because you can tell it's like, must've been work print footage or something. Cause it definitely is not like fully, you know, not it, it hasn't been through like post at least. Joe, the fucked up say? thing is there's apparently pristine footage. Like it should have all been at looking at the same quality, mm-hmm. but Warner Brothers pulled back after showing how th- it was supposed to be intercut the way it is. Yeah, but they but pulled I, back, and then people had to kind of work. But you know what's interesting though is it almost makes it feel more lurid because like you know exactly what got excised yeah. and it makes it look so much dirtier. <laughs> I feel yeah. like. We gotta get we gotta get Criterion on this bitch. But okay, like, so so during that scene, up on this, like, I, that on. I mean that scene, the initial exorcism scene, then leading into the church orgy, I think I would call it easily one of the most intense scenes in film history, like sequences in film history. It's incredible. The it ends with the king showing up. Wikipedia says in disguise, but he wears the mask for like four seconds well, and then he takes No, it but he yeah. he announces himself as something else. Like he never yeah. right. he never admits to being what I didn't understand. What I didn't, under- certainly everyone knows Duke, right? I didn't yes. understand yeah. what I didn't understand is he fully outs the hypocrisy by basically mm-hmm. handing the yeah. pre handing the witch hunter priest a fake relic, which he then mm-hmm uses and the women react to right and then the king takes out his hand and reveals that there's nothing in it what i don't understand is why that didn't trigger the king to like intervene like he just wanted to know and then he left like i don't that part confused me because then the king just disappears after that right he doesn't really reappear so uh, go go joe no no please russell's whole intent is kind of showing the farce behind it all it's uh similar with the scene when the uh you see the king shooting a gun off to the side and then you see him shooting giant like men dressed as birds like actually in, uh, killing them. Uh, yeah. right so it's all so so you could look at it <laughs> as judge case so you could look at it as the king just continuing to like bemuse himself with other people's misfortune kind of thing well the king also i mean and I, I think historically speaking, like at this point, the church is more powerful than the king. So the king only has so much power mm-hmm. to intervene here. The, the like, this thing was like f- pretty far down the tracks. He also probably didn't have a huge stake in it going one way or the other. I mean, I mean, it's a great Richelieu scene in the movie. Have, I, ju- I just don't totally, yeah. I don't fully understand it. I guess. Well, it. I mean, it was meant to to kind of to Joe's point to to sh- to highlight how much of a farce it was to show that the king understood it was a farce. But mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't step in is also just sort of yeah, kind of tells you furthering that point, right? Because the whole conflict was based around Richelieu saying we need Ludon, and the king saying I promised them I wouldn't take their walls down, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, 
quick question. You you really loved, if I recall correctly, the new Space Jam. No, <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned yeah, I, that Max scene. I'm like, this is bait. We yeah, mentioned yeah. it. We mentioned it. We mentioned it last week that like there's a cameo from the Vanessa Redgrave nun. Like, what That's the ever loving fuck? Why? Well, because it's Warner Brothers. I mean, they just like. Own but it's but it's not head. even like it's. <laughs> listen, it's not even like they were like putting filler in the background to fill the scene. She's in the front row of the extras. Eric, you gotta maximize that IP, bro. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's just... they Is there own, more? They own all of the footage. They literally have the negatives for the entire film and could restore it via criteria. Hey, shit, they could like send it to Criterion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they refuse to. And then she shows up in Space Jam Two. <laughs> I'm looking at him break my goddamn TV. Not, not <laughs> even, not even How the good. You, not even the good space, Jim. I Can do. We... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Kate. Well, I, I mentioned it because you know that we get the figure of the nun in you know of the sister nun in Space Jam too, and I really love her performance. I mean, I don't think enough things. I, I could say more about Oliver Reed's performance because it is really good and he's really compelling. But she is great in this. Yeah, she, she is, is. so. Just like beyond horned up, like the scene at the end, because I actually texted Joe because I was like, is she doing what I think she's doing with this charred femur bone? Because that was not in the original cut that I saw. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. fully. And um, like this was, I imagine, a tough role. She's got like she's getting like a boiling water enema at a certain point. Like it is it is really intense. And she does a great job of being just like unhinged and also dedicated it's it's very bizarre i love i loved her performance i loved the shaved head nuns performance too there's a lot of close-up shots of her but um yeah all of these were great but i did want to give a special shout out to our our hunchback sister john her line delivery of like all of a sudden clucking out this laughter as she's like <laughs> she's like she's then- incredibly creepy yeah well, even her first, uh, our first glimpse of her when she's kind of fantasizing over Grandier and she sees him walking through the court at the beginning of the movie, I didn't even realize she was hunchbacked at first. I mean, I know we saw her in yeah, weird yeah. positions earlier, but the, it wasn't until that fantasy sequence and they show her deformation and whatnot, it just added so much all of a sudden to the character. I yeah I had no like that was like very shocking and the way it's yeah. sort of revealed in that first scene that she's in or that first extended scene she has yeah it's so even when she's praying she's like you know like whispering in this like frenetic prayer like take my hump take my hump it's it's just like everything about her performance is so <sighs> compelling and just like creepy it's so well bad. so this is this is the thing I was gonna ask is like <sighs> I'm gonna ask it and, and like I think I know the answer but like. Is this really a horror movie? Like, it is horrific. I think yes. I think so. There's well, exorcisms, even if it's her face. John, listen. I, John, listen. There's you know, exorcism. I always, I always, <laughs> I always say this. This is a horror movie if for no other reason than that there is no other genre that would have this movie, and we well, we're a big tent yeah. here. Yeah, no, no the horror genre. That's totally fair, and I support that. I think what's weird to me. So, like, if you look at if you watch the trailer, and if you look at the poster like there's the like main iconic sort of like black and red poster it makes it so the thing like i don't know there there's like other 70s horror movies that they were clearly 
trying to point audiences to. And look, I think partially they didn't know what the hell to do with this movie as if, if it's not a horror movie. Um, it, for whatever reason, it made me think of don't look now. Don't, don't look now. Don't look, don't look now. Not don't look back. Um, and, and I think it's like that sort of like European, like they, they actually have very little in common with each other. Uh, maybe some cinematography. I don't know. Like there's just like other movies from this era that they were clearly trying to like, signal to consumers that this was like but it's not like them like i've never seen anything quite like this if anything it's a historical drama but it's just like a historical drama that goes fucking bonkers and and contains by by just by just being real like you know well exactly you know of course it's dramatized but like it uh, for personally it was hard for me to come out of this movie not just being raging mad at religion (laughs) like in general like I, listen, I want every like cat, like modern casual religious person to have to watch this movie because like to well, me, yeah. the book you're reading is like the you're two clicks away from what happened oh, in this movie. Eric, as far as I'm I, concerned. So I hate to be the person defending religion, just to be clear, but <laughs> I may be right there with you, Schnars. Well, I was just gonna, like at this point in time, religion basically is kind of inseparable from government or from like like the way society is organized and so it's like there's also just like a level of i mean look at our politics today like it like have you been watching the news well (laughs) i was gonna say like it's grosser than what is presented here to a certain extent i mean there's not exorcisms happening so that's like a positive like people american citizens aren't being tortured but like lots of other people i don't know that i I believe either thing you just said john yeah well that's fair (laughs) Now that we're on the point, though, John, to answer your question, I do think it's horror because a it's on Shutter or it was on Shutter. Um, B it's called the <laughs> that's Devils. That's the other. That's the other. Like, well, it's on Shutter. <laughs> on Shutter, the Devils. There's exorcisms, and also, I mean, this isn't the point of it, and it's not like we get a ton of close-ups on it, but there is an extensive, extensive torture scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which um, is, look, I mean, you're right. It is horrific, but it is. It's it's a period piece. It's it's like maybe more horror adjacent, but I'm going to claim it. Cause like I, Eric said, no. we're going, we're going to take it. It's a scary movie. For it. Just to be clear. I just, I know I wanted to register the question. I think it is interesting. I like, if anything, I think it pigeonholes this movie unfairly because there's a lot of other people that should. I also think we watch this extended cut again. If you, if you watch, I'm curious. And Joe, you've probably seen it. Like the more normal cut is probably less crazy. I mean, it's definitely less crazy. Like there's less like, crucifix something going on so like the, presumably the whole rape of christ scene and that's what is commonly referred to is isn't there yeah. um i did like how it's interspliced to show the juxtaposition uh with him having a mass on the road yeah. but do they show um, them take it off the wall in the original cut yeah but then they just cut away Yes. Yeah. And was this the cut we the one we watched? Is that what was on Shutter or was Shutter like the edited no, cut? It's not. No. Gotcha. Shutter has it does it, when it gets grainyish. That's when Shutter cut. Yeah. Gotcha. It's just kind of like so. This is a this is not this is a bootleg thing. Basically, we watched uh, a bit. Yeah, it's a a bit more extended. Apparently, there's more footage, which is harder to attain. Um, which I guess is just the scenes. Exp- like a bench expanded upon. Interesting. Find it. There is this scene that like, <laughs> I have to mention is it was just gorgeous. Like when they, 
It's the second time I think we see the Cardinal and we're in some kind of religious building. So for, first of all, just all the religious architecture, it's like, it's hard to describe. It's like very geometric and beautiful, but also very cold. Like all this just white tile and there's no color and huge iron doors. And like, it's kind of breathtaking, but in a like way that makes you uncomfortable, I think. But th there's this whole scene where the Cardinal turns a corner. Now, when I say turns a corner, what I mean is he is being carted like Hannibal Lecter by like four nuns. Like, because I guess he can't walk or he doesn't want to walk or whatever. Yeah, it's like, a, so, it is. It's like a loading. But he, he turns the corner. He walks he down this. probably has polio. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the, he you know, he definitely had something. Like, he it wasn't walks like down, he was choosing to be. He walks I down. He was. No. He walks down this long hallway. There's people in the background of the scene coming and going. It's basically like almost choreographed like a scene from a musical to the mm -hmm. point where it's like, it's just like lyrical to watch it. It's a really beautiful scene that to me is like, this is real filmmaking genius here when you watch something like this. And not every scene is necessarily choreographed that way. It's actually an interesting juxtaposition to later on when the chaos kicks in because those scenes are just pure chaos, right? And like almost just swinging the camera around and capturing what you can. Um, it's just a visually really stunning movie. It is. And are they building a prison there? I have no I idea. I believe so. Okay. No, I, so I actually, I mean, I thought that was a library and my takeaway was that they had like bars over the books oh. to prevent, like, it was like a, we control the knowledge type. And a prison of its own, man. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> John, it sounds like my number one movie of the year, Into the Night. Into the Night, is that what that was called? Uh, wait, uh, you mean the, the rotoscope movie? Yeah, what was that called? Spine uh, of Night. Spine, Spine of, of Night, Night. yeah. I don't know what and Into the Night is. And actually, it's your number two, just to be pedantic. Well, in my head. <laughs> We're in my head. Um, um, really quick, so Richelieu was the uh, main villain in The Three Musketeers. Uh, I did. I was. I was looking to. See I was really over here. I was. Page. I was waiting with bated breath to find that information out. So thanks, Charles. Well, I wanted to see if there was anything on his Wikipedia page about him having some kind of thing. The place I know, like in that very first scene when he's watching the king perform, he's in a wheelchair or he's in some kind of. I didn't like, really notice, honestly. I think I was yeah. too too like stuck on the king to like notice what was yeah, going on with that. You're focused on the birth of Venus there. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, on yeah. the set design, <clears throat> Russell makes such an interesting decision in working with his set designer that when you think of period pieces, I, I think of Braveheart and I think of these crumbling monarchs and these castles that we think of in modern day. And this is where I think this movie sets itself apart from other period pieces is he approached it that, no, this is a modern city where it's happening. Things were pristine. Things were modern. And that's yeah. I, why I think it gives it that weird amalgamation of feeling 70s of when it's made. The Everything is pristine and all of that. And so, yeah, they, they had to build all of that from scratch on that back lot. But a lot of that set dressing in this movie kind of reminded me of uh, Joe Dorowski. Yeah. Sure. Because it seems yeah. alien to the time period, right? Especially with the convent and the and his quarters, et cetera, and the church. It looks kind of futuristic for that time period. Well, the the certainly the intro with the king, it, it reads very 
Yodorowsky. Like, I was like, oh, shit, this is not the Holy Mountain. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you liked that sort of, des- like, it's a theatrical design, almost, I would even say, like, Wes Anderson-like, if you're looking for modern filmmakers on how they do their framing. Uh, Russell ended up doing uh, Salome's Last Dance. Mm-hmm. And it is very much like that, except set in a much smaller space. I don't know what that is. Schnars is pretending that he does. Well, uh, I was trying. It's, um, I mean, I know the reference. It's, but in which, any event, which Friday, I had to read it in college. Which Friday the 13th movie was that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's another biblical story uh, involving yeah. uh, uh, the sac- sacrifice and the head of John the Baptist and nudity, dancing, and theatrics. There's a famous stage version of it. Is it? Uh, it's like Oscar Wilde, maybe. I can't yes. remember. Is it? All right. I believe it is. Yeah. Joe, don't don't come on here and be smart. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. All right, everyone. We got to wrap up our review here of the Devils, so we can do some fan mail. Would you recommend this movie, Joe? Yes. Schnars. Yes. Caitlin from Richmond. Yes. Casey. Absolutely. Also, yes, it's really good. All right, let's take a quick break. You know, a lot of people write me and say, hey, Joe Bob Briggs, just what is Monster Vision? You don't need no special glasses or an insect's head. Just a healthy love for slime and disrespect for the dead. We'll talk about some movies by the old double wide. And when you get that creepy feeling creeping up inside, well, then you got Monster Vision. It's a heck of a fright. We're tearing the heart out of Saturday night. These Monster Vision movies serve a primitive drive. Cause watching people die can make you feel so alive So throw away your clicker now, the flicks have begun Cause there's nothing you can do while fully dressed It's as fun as watching TNT beneath the bugs after light We're tearing the heart out of Saturday night Tearing the heart out of Saturday night Hey, I'm Joe Bob Briggs, and you're listening to the Bloody Good Horror Podcast. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. I probably overplay that bumper, but I, that was for you, Joe. I appreciate that. That was a uh, momentous night. So good. Um, Joe, where can people find you when you're not on Bloody Good Horror? Oh, I mean, you can find me in the wasteland of Twitter, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, Caitlin and I and our friend Graham do Films at First Sight, which is a podcast exploring people's first time experiencing movies. It really 
stem from me just wanting to talk movies with my friends and get them to see things they haven't seen before. Uh, Jim, like the tell the truth, it was so that you could watch Mamma Mia for me. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did learn that ABBA apparently is a band, and so. <laughs> <laughs> That was something. <laughs> it's ABBA. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, Casey. Love it. And so that's Films at First Sight. Films at First Sight. And uh, you or can find Fafis. the podcast wherever you get your normal podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Films at First Sight. I also have another show because Caitlin inspired me to overwork myself. And we do uh, No Film Left Behind, which is a podcast with me and Jody from Dads from the Crypt. And we'll pack five or six movies or maybe seven movies into a singular episode that is thematic. Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, everything. Oh, my God. Well, I- I'm just not doing any work anymore. So Caitlin's not inspiring me to do anything. So like, <laughs> I'm safe as if anybody was worried about me. I'm good. Well, and, and Joe, the, for the theme of the first episode of, um, no film left behind was non-sploitation, non-sploitation. Oh, it all go. circles back. Love it. So, uh, yeah, you, you find us there looking up weird movies. Uh, our newest episode coming out is going to be a look at Stephanie Rothman, who was a female director in, uh, in the seventies protege of Roger Corman that was doing exploitation films when not a lot of women were, it's like her and Doris Wishman. So we're highlighting all of her movies, all seven of them. Um, Love yeah, it. There's and, that. And people can also find you on the bloody good horror slack from time. To Correct. Time. And writing for you guys, uh, as I, I believe, uh, as of today, my review of Mad God is out. Ooh, that's what we're doing. Oh. Next, that's what we're doing next week. I'm so excited. Eric, oh. can't wait to go to the website. Read right. it. Uh, com and uh, patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror to get on that Slack and the live stream. So there you go. Caitlin, what's going on? And plug it up. Um, had a celebrity guest this past week, Galen Howard from um, from a lot of things, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Book of Boba Fett. Um, he's a big horror fan, and he was on to cover Rabbit. We did some Cronenberg. Thought of you, John. Nice. Yeah, it was a fun time. Um, yeah, great time. Um, have a couple coming up with uh, some fan favorites. Elizabeth's got an episode coming up. Um, and then um, I have my... My live event um, hosting horror trivia that I wrote at Strange Ways Brewing on Dabney Road in Richmond this Friday, the 24th at 7. And it's feeling real now. Went and saw the stage today. So Exciting. Are you nervous? I'm extremely nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Let us know how Thanks. it goes. To send dispatches from the field. I, need to, I should have brought BGH stickers. What am I doing? Do you have BGH stickers? No. <laughs> I got a bunch of like old ones. I can say for the next round, (laughs) next round, I will bring BGH stickers shipping. I'm going to koozie. I can send pretty much if like, you can't just like bulk order Uh, shipping is exhausting. Like sending things to people is exhausting. Pretty much. I love it. On that at BGH. Um, I love to ship things. (laughs) Casey, uh, where can people find you? I am on Instagram these days, cinema.fromage. 
it's all art all the time. So feel free to uh, check it out. Love it. You can check me out on Twitter, Eric BGH. Um, exciting news, John. I have like a full length album coming out. Probably oh. I got to look at it. Maybe in July. It's just mm. about finished. That's under Hi-Fi, John. You can find me Hi-Fi underscore music on Twitter. Hi-Fi. Or just search HY-FY on Spotify or Bandcamp. All right. So check. I'll keep my eyes on Spotify. Oh, you'll, I'll be letting you know, John. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I wasn't worried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's do Twitter. What do we got on Twitter? Well, right. On Twitter, we have a hashtag, SBGH. Ask us questions, we'll answer. First up, we have from longtime friend at Black Metal Jesus. Jesus. Black Metal Jesus, sorry. What is your favorite depiction of Satan or the Antichrist in film or TV? Black Phillip. It's a tie for me between Tim Curry and Legend. And dude, he's, I mean, like visually, visually, it's never been done better. Uh, And then I would say I really love the depiction of the Antichrist in. Oh my God. Uh, Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter, which we did on the show years and years ago. Can I say South Park bigger, longer, uncut? (laughs) Hell yeah. South Park devil. I'll accept it. Yeah. I got to go with the fox in Antichrist. Yeah. I was. (laughs) Does Does Pinhead count? He's really more just like a, a player down there. He's not really. Yeah, he's like he's like a demon. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have like a weird prejudice against Cenobites. So I'm gonna say no. Really, with all there your like, a, with all your creepy body horror love, you don't like the Cenobites? Mm, I don't know. Not my thing. Mm. <laughs> all right. Our next tweet is from at Whitney, please, and then the longtime friend, longtime listener. If you had the mark of Satan on your body, where would you want it to be? I mean, you got to go tramp stamp, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking if I'm the Antichrist, I want it in the middle of my forehead so people know, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I don't, there's a lot of sort of different angles to run at this. Yeah, John, yeah Casey, you would fully go third nipple. I know you would. Casey, you're, you're just talking about Charlie Manson now? <laughs> On my back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, but if you're the Antichrist, you want people to know, right? <laughs> you know how people get tattoos on their bottom lip? And they pull it down and you see it. I kind of like that. Devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like upside down. Homemade. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm gonna I, I'd have to go with my the bicep this way anytime anybody asks you where the gun show is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the devil show? It's right here. <laughs> Solid. Also from Matt Whibney, please. What is one of your favorite episodes of BGH over the years besides Prom Night? I don't remember any of And Prom Night is not a favorite. It's just people liked it because John and I got pissy with each other. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that made it classic, though. I like, love like, listening at the spreadsheet. I can, give right you now. An, I can give you like an archetype to me. To me, the shows that don't work, and it, that just doesn't work to me. Like some people, people may like these shows, but. I like when we can disagree on something in a civil way. 
and have yeah. fun and joke about our disagreements. I think that's like fun for everyone. It has taken us a long time to get there to like really get over ourselves in that kind of way. Like even years into the show, we would still have occasional shows where we would get into each other a little bit in a way to me felt not fun. And sometimes like that is sometimes the Joe, it's you better, didn't, Joe, better you, drama. Joe, you didn't do this, but that is sometimes the dangerous having guests on the show is like when people are more raw and like ready to mix it up. I'm like, listen, that's not, we don't care that much. That's not what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I enjoy the show where like maybe we do disagree about a thing, but it can be used for humor and we're not pissy with each other because it's that hasn't always been the case. I like the ones where we disagree. I'm too yeah. I'm too sensitive, John. You don't have yeah. feelings. I can't come up with one off the top of my head that I like. It, there's been so fucking many. Um, <laughs> what was the one that I got really, really drunk at? Was it Return of the Living Dead? It was one. I think it was episode like. Oh 200, man, maybe. that's a good question. There's and one. I was like, you talk really about sloppy. moments. Like years ago, I did the episode. I guess it was 500. Like supercut. Bgh did like a clip show kind of thing, and there was this, just that amazing. Do you remember the time the word of the day was degloving? <laughs> and like yes. it was a um, uh, devil. It was the movie Devil, I believe. No, no it was uh, no. Gerald's game. It was Gerald's uh, game. Yeah. Gerald's game. And just the okay. way we fucking lost it. Like those moments are my favorite when like you just fucking lose it and you can't yeah. take it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. My uh, least right. favorite was Psycho Goreman. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Joe Ferry, where do we land on Psycho Goreman? Pro or con? I've never seen it and don't want to. <laughs> what? Yeah. Dude, that's a film at first sight right there, brother. Come on. Oh, man, my kids watch John? Power Rangers. I'm mm. good. <laughs> we are not dragging that shit <laughs> oh my god dude there's We're a lot there looking you. at assholes like <laughs> do like karaoke like pink flamingos <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> alright last up tonight we have from at frozen food I did this one a while back, but I'll put it in here too so I can be official. Is which bottle rocket taken as a band name? Because if not, I'm calling it. That's a reference back to uh, Hellbender. That is a great band name. It is. And a great movie. Joe has a really good piece uh, for the site. You interviewed the Adams family. I did, yes. The very same. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Love that Gomez. All right. Uh, is that Instagram? It? That's it on Twitter. That was it. That was it for Twitter. So let's see. If we got an Instagram. We got a lot. I posted two days. I remember to post two days in a row. Hmm. Is that allowed? I do what I want. That's right. Okay. Let's see. I mean, there's a lot of these, like, just the same question. If you did an Omen-style check, which member of the show would have the Mark of the Beast? <laughs> I mean, I'm clearly the biggest heathen, I think, out of all yeah. of us. I think it's on Eric somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I actually Eric, might... That's why Eric has a beard, because it's, like, covering his, like, little 666 it's like a, It's like some eczema. My response, yeah, my response to this was that my father <laughs> literally called me the Dark Child because of both my uh, proclivity for dark, like, 
entertainment. And also I would sit in the dark all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's you, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Favorite song with devil in the title. I couldn't think of a single one. There's a song by Azure Ray called Devil's Feet. That's pretty good. I mean, there's the devil, devil went, went down, down to Georgia. Georgia. Come on, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not my favorite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only because it has devil in the name, but devil inside, but in excess. Devil in the new dress, the Kanye song, fucking banger on uh, my Twisted Dark Fantasy or whatever that, that, that yeah. album. Whew. That's my that's my answer. Good job, team. Here's a good one. Oh, yeah, this is also good. What's the evilest or the most evil movie you've ever seen? And what would you drink with it? <laughs> I mean, this like one. while watching it or like <laughs> if I were with the movie, you know, just we're together. Evilest. Hmm. Joe, I feel like you've got something brewing in your brain. Yeah, Home Alone 3. <laughs> like, why would you do this? <laughs> you went you went a specific direction. I might go Evil Dead, like the original Evil Dead. I feel like there was like there was darkness going on <laughs> I like when that. they made that movie. I mean in a beautiful way, obviously, but I like it. Um here's a very good question. Did you ever think you'd be doing the show for this long. I mean, I mean, no, I, no I, I'm incapable of planning literally anything. So no, it's just like week to week. Are we still doing it? Yeah, cool. For for Joe, very that the question is like, yes. do you think you'd be doing it one what episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's 62 minutes later. Uh. I mean, it's like I guess we I don't want to do it again. I mean, we're all still enjoying it, so. We're here. Exactly. John, confirm we're still enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> as much, as, much as I hate to admit it, I've come to love these people. So I'm sorry. Uh drunk Casey's getting emotional. Yep. Uh let's see. If you killed and ate the BGH crew, what dishes would you cook each one in? Cook oh, in? I like, guess. What's your dish of choice when you're cooking? I meat? don't really cook that much so i like a sheet pan (laughs) some kind of casserole (laughs) i would actually make a ratatouille with you (laughs) this is like a single pot instant situation (laughs) (laughs) my answer was air fryer and then eaten over the sink (laughs) beautiful answer i love this i can't wait for this what is your ideal outside temperature slash humidity slash weather oh that's good. 69 degrees and wet. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. God. Got him. Yeah. Indoors, uh, 69 is not bad. I mean, I have my AC on 68 right now, but if we're talking like outdoors, 73 is ideal. Yeah. I'm like going 75 colder. and no humidity. Yeah. I'm no, going like zero. 58. Yeah. I was going to go 55, Dude. cold, crispy. <sighs> 50 is trash weather. 50, 50 <sighs> makes me angry. A nice yeah. fall like day. Perfect. Yeah. After, especially coming off of summer in the south, when you finally get like that crisp cold day, I'm like, oh goddamn, this feels so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now nah, that as soon as that happens, my arthritis starts kicking in. <laughs> as, <laughs> there it is. Asked and answered. What's your favorite demony horror movie? Rosemary's Baby, probably. 
Night at the Night at the Demons. I'll go back to Evil Dead probably. Oh, that's good too. I, I gotta go Night of the Demon and the Sasquatch one where Bigfoot rips off a man's dick. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what movie is this? <laughs> Night of the Demon. <laughs> uh, Eric? Yep. Uh, y'all gonna review Mad God? Yes, sir. Next yes. week. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You wrote for the site. <laughs> um, I think this is the last one. Hypothetically, where would some potential gates to hell be located in the USA? Looking for vacation ideas. Uh, Louisiana, please. There's a hotel. Check it out. Is there? Have you seen the Beyond? I was gonna say no. it's yeah, that's the Beyond. Oh. The Beyond is all about a, a literal gate to hell. Oh, Eric, the the one that um, Hell House LLC isn't that a gate to hell too? Okay. The Abaddon Hotel. Yeah, there is kind of like a gate that opens up. Yeah, wasn't there a, was some, a little too obvious? Wasn't there kind of like a Abaddon? <laughs> Joe, you ever seen Yellow Brick Road? Something. <sighs> Isn't there kind of a gate in that movie? Like a gate to hell? I don't, I'm trying to remember. A little bit. Yeah. 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 I've got the original I gate from the gate to hell. <laughs> oh, that's a nice Easter egg. I like it, Casey. Um, <laughs> that's it on. Uh... Oh, I did. Have a, do I have an email here? No, I do not. That's it for the devils. Episode 600. In 66, we've been doing this show since 2007. Uh, I believe the iPhone was but a few months old. Maybe. Maybe uh, 2007, was that when the iPhone came out? We might have invented podcasts. It's hard to know. No <laughs> one can remember that far back, actually. When people Isn't are like, hey, how do you get people to listen to your pod- horror podcast? I'm like, so what you're going to need to do is start it in 2007 when there's like yeah. six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps. That's what I got. Joe, thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to have, like, um, thank you. Your delights. Check Joe out. Films at first sight. And then what are you on social again, Joe? Ah, uh, PS Trophy Hunter for a personal account. Beautiful. It's it's spelled weird. You'll see me <laughs> uh, tag. I'll tag. I'll tag you, Joe. Good luck finding him. I'll put you on blast on the BGH Twitter. (laughs) Love. All right. That's going to do it for BGH. Don't forget to check us out. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. Get the live stream. Get Slack. Get old episodes. Good times ahead. We will have an update soon on the uh, Patreon exclusive t-shirt. We hit what you might call a bump in the road, but we're going to figure it out. So here we are. Um, Yeah. That's going to do it for The Devils, and we'll talk to you soon. See you. Bye. Later. Bye-bye. <laughs>